This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your baby to let you sleep in? What? We could sleep in another half hour? Thanks, sweetheart. And you'll change yourself too? There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit geico.com for details. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on a Monday evening this time. As we, we told you the last time we recorded, we wanted to drop... Some of these off-season podcasts, at least while the MLB playoffs are going on, on Tuesdays. So hopefully, even though your Monday may have been a, a little darker without Brendan and I to guide you through some Cubs conversation, hopefully you're listening to this on Tuesday morning thinking, wow, now my Tuesdays are even better. So it's hopefully a worthwhile trade-off for everybody. But we find ourselves on this particular, uh, you're listening to this on Tuesday, October 15th. We are in the middle of October now. At, as you may have noticed, the Cubs uh, not in the MLB playoffs, so we have not been dealing with that for the last couple weeks. Uh, but Brendan and I are recording tonight on Monday in the middle of the Cardinals and Nationals playing as the Nationals look to take a 3-0 series lead, which would be really splendid, uh, something I think that all of us would would really appreciate. And on this episode, we're just going to catch you up with where we are in the Cubs kingdom, if you will. What is going on with the Cubs? We've had more manager interviews. We've had more rumors. We've had new names pop up into this conversation since we last spoke. We've also had some names cross themselves off the list, which is always an interesting turn of events. And 
since we are in mid-October, we're about a couple weeks from the MLB playoffs wrapping up, and that will mean that the free agency trades and, and all those other things will begin in earnest. So I think as we get closer to that, we'll continue, Brendan and I, to prepare you for uh, such a day where things can can really get going, because I think all of us expect this offseason to be a busy one for the Chicago Cubs and their front office. But Brendan, I want to bring you in right now, and we have not spoken to our wonderful, loyal listeners of the Cubs-related podcast in a week. And in that week, we did not get the opportunity to even comment on the fact that the Los Angeles mm-hmm. Dodgers were eliminated in five games, mainly on the bat of Howie Kendrick, a, a crippling, mm. silencing Grand Slam at Dodger Stadium in Game 5 off of Joe Kelly after Clayton Kershaw blew a 3-1 <laughs> lead. Brendan, the world wants to know your thoughts on such a matter. Well, I woke up the next morning, I went into my closet, and I thought to myself, how can I piss off as many Dodger fans as possible? So what did I do, Corey? I grabbed for the World Series championship hat from 2016. I got my authentic gray World Series championship uh, t-shirt. Got my hoodie as well as a little frisk. Walked out the door, and of course, I had a few smug reactions, but I had to do what any Cub fan should do being in Los Angeles, Corey. And that was such a great consolation prize. Unfortunately, the Cardinals did not follow suit, but it looks like they're going to be on their way out of the playoffs anyway. But Corey, the amount of happiness, I'm like not even embarrassed to admit it. When Kershaw gave up that second home run to Soto, that w- that was like watching a Cubs playoff win for me. I mean, the, the amount of emotion that was completely zapped out of Dodger Stadium. They have camera shots going right to their fans, of course, walking up the stands, leaving the stadium, about yeah. to go sit in three hours of traffic down that mountain into God knows where. It could not have happened to a more deserving franchise than the Los Angeles Dodgers. And you may ask, why do we hate them so much? Here, here's here's what I'll say. Go to Dodger Stadium just one time. Don't wear that much Cubs apparel because you will feel as if you are physically threatened. Just, just do it. And then come back to us and let me know how your experience was. Because every time, Corey, that you and I go... We always have one experience, one experience that stands out on a yearly basis. They are trash. They will always be trash. Other than the Cardinals, it could not have happened to a more deserving team. And you can get tickets to the rest of these playoffs. Maybe even watch the Cardinals lose in the NLCS through SeatGeek. Because with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They built the fastest way to find tickets. So you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the app store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? It's just clearly a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then it rates each one of these deals on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an easy-to-use interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details on this map 
are green dots, which mean good deals, or red dots, which are overpriced deals that you should stay away from. Best of all, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you know you can shop for tickets with absolute confidence. I have always used the SeatGeek app on my phone, desktop, mostly on my phone if I need tickets really quickly, and it's by far the fastest way that I've found to shop for tickets. I've bought football tickets, I've bought basketball tickets, I've bought baseball tickets, no matter what sport, I know I'm getting the best deal. I used SeatGeek to buy Bears tickets against the Los Angeles Rams coming up here in November. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That is promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Yeah, I, I think that for a lot of you, it it I it may I, I guess I don't know, but I I'm sure it doesn't resonate as deeply as it does with Brendan and I. And I know we have some listeners and of course friends that are from the LA area or who frequent the LA area a lot who get it. But I, I guess it should just be telling. Like I, I don't know between us, Brendan, we've probably covered most of the ballparks in in Major League Baseball. Yeah. We we've seen games at at different levels in in different stadiums, different cities, in different countries, right? And we don't speak this strongly and with this level of contempt for anyone but the fans of the Los Angeles Dodgers. So the, this uh, it, it may seem petty and and it may to to some of you if you've never been to LA or couldn't care less about the Dodgers you're like what is with these two and the Dodgers right uh but Brendan is right like go to the game for you know I I, I've been going there since I was in high school uh and going to games when I was a teenager with my mother and people throwing food at me and my mom my poor mom sitting there at Dodger Stadium getting popcorn and beer thrown all over like this is what you're dealing with. I mean, with people will go, literally, Corey. When you walk by them in the concession stand, they they'll bump pull, into you. They'll pull your jersey, yeah. and like start yeah. laughing. Like it's it's amazing that it's, there's it's not, an experience. It's an, I yeah. mean, that's one way of putting it. But it is amazing that so many people like that exist in one stadium. It's mind blowing. Yeah. So there there is a reason that we take these opportunities to. Gloat. But I, I, I do want to bring that around, Brendan, actually to a real point. Because you guys have heard us rail on the Dodgers uh, enough. Like, we do it all the time. And if, if you're over it, I apologize. We're not going to stop, yeah. but I do apologize if, if, if you're over it. But I do want to relate it back to a real actual thought that I had in it. And, like, not just, like, let's talk trash about how awful Dodger fans are. But those games, and, like, especially watching... Kershaw blow that lead, and then Howie Kendrick with the dagger, onions, mm. if you will, if you're a college basketball fan, for the Dodgers season with that grand slam. Like, that is one of those moments where you really have to step back and appreciate that the Cubs got it done. No doubt. The Cubs won the World Series with this group, not just, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Like this group, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, John Lester, Kyle Hendricks, Javi Baez, like these Chicago Cubs won a World Series. It's done. It's over. No one can take that from them. The the flag flies forever, right? And you look 
at a team like the Dodgers, who for all intents and purposes is the best run organization in baseball. You could probably make an argument or two in a different direction, but they're definitely at the top of this discussion. They have one of, if not the biggest payroll on a year-to-year basis. They have one of the best you know, uh, reputation-wise, performance-wise front offices in the league. They have some of the best minor league systems in the league, yada, 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 right? We, we've talked about how sometimes it was disappointing that the Cubs didn't have that deep wealth of prospects to just be calling up at any second like the Dodgers and just some new guy hitting a home run or some new guy throwing 99. And it's all just to say that it none of it matters until you get Though that last out in the World Series to win the World Series yeah. because that's what they play the game for. That's the ultimate goal. And you can win your division seven years in a row. You can win 100-plus games every year. You can win the second-most wins in the league, whatever, every year. And it doesn't matter if you don't win the World Series. And, and it's just an illustration of how difficult it is to win the World Series no and, and how much has to go right. And you think back to 2016 and you think how easily the Cubs could have lost that series to the Giants or to the Dodgers or to the Indians. It was all right there. And you're talking a couple of plays, right, that that would have ended any of those series and sent that whole thing in a different I direction. I mean, they were three outs away against the Giants from going to Game 5 against Johnny right. Cueto at Wrigley Field. Right. right, a game five that already had been one to nothing the first time that pitching exactly. matchup happened. So yeah. all bets are off. So right. and you look at the, you look at the Dodgers too in that national series. Like, you know, the Nationals only won a handful of games more than the Cubs, but just getting into the playoffs with three pitchers, four pitchers, right. and a few good bats that can be sufficient to knock out the best team in the National League. That's how crazy of a sport baseball is. Well, and it's and and that's and that's also, you know, speaks to all of it. A, why it's so difficult to win the World Series, but also why throughout this tumultuous Cubs season that we all just went through. Uh, I know I know we talk about that like it's like coming back from war or something like that, right? Like, you <laughs> know, if you can bear to think back to the 2019 season, I don't want to draw up any bad memories. But that's why throughout that whole process, even when it looked so grim and like, what is this team going to do, even if they get in? That's why we keep saying, just get in. Just yeah. try to get in. Just try to get a playoff spot. Just see what you can do, right? Because you look at how, how well things went for the Dodgers, how primed they seem to be to go at least to another World Series before they lost again. Like, all it takes is you run into a team that got hot at the right time, that throws out... Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Soto, and Rendon. That was the key that's in that it. series. It was like five guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's what it comes down to. So it, it, I think taking that that ribbing of the Dodgers, if you will, a ribbing is probably a light word for the way we talk about them, but it it it, it relates back to the Cubs in the sense that you, you really gotta sometimes step back and be like, I want them to win every year. Stuff is frustrating. Stuff doesn't go the way that we want. You know, maybe the trajectory of this organization is is not exactly where we thought it would be at this point, but they got the World Series. They got it done. They don't have to overcome that hurdle because you look at a team like the Dodgers and you have to ask yourself, like, how many more chances can a group get? How close can you keep getting and expect to get those chances again? You know, somebody yeah. in that division might be competitive. 
and even at it, some even point. for and the not Dodgers just let them too, win like the division you, seven straight times. Right. So you you gotta just and 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 this is this also isn't like a let's live in the past, right? Like 2016, as we go on in the years, is going to be further and further away. But this group got it done. It's very difficult to get it done, and I, I think that sometimes we we have to just step back and appreciate that. We're not fans of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, and with with the Dodgers too, like it does remind you. Look at the rotation. Like Ryu's going to be a free agent, aging. Rich Hill's forty years old, aging. Going to be a free agent as well. Kershaw's getting up there in age, and with pitchers, they're hit or miss every year. Kenley Jansen is kind of fizzling out. He's not that dominant closer as he used to be. These little win windows, although they seem big in the moment, they can shrivel up at, at any any time. And even like a team like the Nationals, right? It can go the other way. They've had this trio of pitchers for several years. Strasburg and Scherzer have anchored this rotation. Yeah, and I, and I think that watching these playoffs too gives you a, a bit of a sense of, I think sometimes when the Cubs are struggling or things aren't going the way that we want them to, you 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 tend to think that the grass is greener in other spots. And you watch the playoffs and it's it's kind of a reminder that it's it's really not, right? Like the, the Dodgers are, are a good example of that. You you would take the Dodgers regular season a thousand times out of a thousand, right? You win the division running away, you win hundred and six games, you've got all these young players coming up. I mean up what they did was the twenty sixteen Cubs. That was exactly what would have felt like for the 2016 Cubs to lose the Giants. You're the best right, team. You're exactly, steamrolling right. everyone that year, and you lose in five. But it's <laughs> right, and it, it it's just an example of, like, things look good, but that's not the, the be-all, end-all. You look at a team like the Braves, right? Like, they're yeah. winning that division kind of comfortably a couple years in a row, and they just get bounced in the first round. You know, so like sometimes you look around and you go like, well, why can't we be doing like that? Why can't it be as easy as what's going? And it doesn't work out for them either. You know, so like ultimately only one team is is winning this. And I, and I think you, you have to, as an organization, do your best to put the best foot forward that you can. But it's it's not always, a, you know, such a, a, a pissing contest, right? Where it's like, well, they're doing better than us or they're doing better. Yeah, but everybody's got their own problems. Everybody's got their own problems. And ultimately, everybody but one runs into a hurdle that they can't quite jump over. So I, I think these playoffs are kind of just a reminder that like, Baseball's hard, and and this Cubs season sucked, and the way that it played out was very frustrating, uh, especially given that it we kind of all knew it might play out that way, at least to a certain degree. Uh, but these playoffs are, are kind of a reminder that even when it looks like teams are having a great time and they had this great season, like three games, and it can all be over. You know, right. like you run into a hot team and it's all over. So that's yeah. that's kind of the deal with baseball, but. I want to transition into where we are with this manager search again, like as we wait for the player stuff and then the free agent market to really open up once the playoffs are over, this is what we can discuss for the moment. And what we what we know is that the Cubs interviewed Joe Espada from the Houston Astros with the Astros off on Monday in the middle of their series with the Yankees. The Cubs are also going to be interviewing the recently fired Gabe Kapler from the Phillies. He was also part of the Dodgers player development system in their front office a few years ago. 
And we did, since we last spoke, we did get the Joe Girardi interview, the David Ross interview. So this process appears to be coming together. The the other things that I noted kind of in the intro that I was alluding to was that Carlos Beltran was reached out to by the Chicago Cubs, and he declined both their, and I believe it was the Phillies' request. It might have been the Reds, but it was yeah. somebody else's request to interview to be their manager seeming he's only interested in managing the Mets, which, you know, you do you, Carlos. That's a that's a choice, certainly, but uh, you got to do what's best for you. Uh, and Sam Fold, uh, the former Cub, and kind of one of those like hot names, if you will, in, in the young manager search, uh, also declining to interview with the Cubs. So that's kind of the lay of the managerial land at the moment. It it certainly seems that the Cubs are intent on finding their man and and moving along with this process quicker rather than, uh, you know, taking their time, obviously doing their due diligence, but not wanting this process to drag on too long, wanting to start to cultivate that culture, that message, that system that you're going to be putting in place with a, a new person. So any any thoughts on what we've seen in the last week, Brendan? Because like I said, we've, we've got some names that are uh, officially checked off. We've talked to them. They, they have spoken to Theo and Jed and whoever else they may be talking to. We've got some names erased from the list uh, by their own doing, uh, and we have completed some more of these interviews. So anything that jumps out to you from what we've learned over the last week or so? Kaiser is off the chain. Everything is in one place for you. Your x-ray will be done there. The doctor will see you there. The labs are there for you. And then the nurses that work with you at Kaiser, they make you feel so at home. They're there to meet your needs. I would not be alive today if I had not had Kaiser permanently. I feel really, really great knowing there's a place that I can go to make sure that I can maintain good health on a regular basis. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, the middle experts, 2101, East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Yeah, like... I know you, Corey, you wanted to see Beltran get that interview, and I get it, but I I, I don't know. I know the reputation's there, but he clearly just wants to stay in New York, and I think you don't really know what these guys bring to the table until they start talking about it and they start talking about you know, their plans with teams. It's, it's hard to get a gauge on what these guys actually want, and from what, from what I've heard with Ross from what we've heard with Espada talking about his desire to manage eventually, what we've heard from Mark Loretta, like you have a better idea of what to expect from these guys. And we had no idea what to expect from Beltran or a fold. So I'm not going to be like torn that they're not getting those chances. Yeah, I think with Beltran, it was disappointing. I I said on here that I I thought he was a really intriguing candidate. I I think that just the the stuff that I had read and the way that so many organizations and high up people had spoken about him. He just seemed like a rather intriguing choice. But obviously, look, if, if his heart is somewhere else for and why it's with the Mets, I mean, God only knows. I mean, he but, lives in New York, though. Like that's that's got to be why. Like he's still I mean, with the that, Yankees right does now. Does that seem like a good reason? I mean, people I live in like, Chicago. I don't want to hang man. out by the burning dumpster than downtown. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so like that, I'm not sure about that. But I think if he if his heart is somewhere else then that's obviously not someone you want anyway like you don't want someone that is 
only looking for one job. You want someone that wants to be a manager, that wants to mold a, a, a group of 25 guys, that wants to be the leader in a clubhouse, not someone that is dead set on running the New York Mets, right? So I, I guess it wasn't a, a good fit, and that's that's fine. Sam Fold, I'm not really sure. I, I do think that because you know, I think that there was some question when you hear people declining to interview with them going like, you know, what's the deal? Like they don't want to be the manager of the Cubs. And I, and I think my first reaction to it, Beltran seems to have his own opinion on this. But I think as far as Fold is concerned, I think other than Ross, like this is a tough job for a first time manager, you know, and, and I, Espada would be that way as well. Uh, Loretta would be that way as well, but obviously Ross. You mean in terms of and, just like managing the media or like this iteration. Yeah, I mean, of the I, I, well, I mean, look, like you're you're taking over for Joe Madden, right? So you're you're taking over for a guy that has a really good reputation, that did a lot of winning, and that was the first Cubs manager in 108 years to win a World Series. That is a mm-hmm. yep, tough is seat to fill, tough shoes to fill, whatever cliche you want to use, right? So I think that obviously it's a better situation than going and managing the Orioles or some team that's going to lose 100 games, right? Because that often doesn't end well for first-year managers either. But I think with the media, with the job that you are filling and, and who your predecessor was, and also just the state of the organization, like you know if you're a candidate coming into this, like I don't have a lot of room for error, right? Like I can't come into this and have a down first year and it'd be a learning experience, right? Like that type of thing. Like we, we don't, we don't have time for like Addison Russell learning quote unquote to, to play second base experiences, right? We don't have time for that as a manager. We, we need somebody to come in and like start winning and, and start, you know, maybe turning things around. So I think if I was a, a first year candidate and my name was getting tossed around, I was getting calls from a lot of different people, maybe I'd look to take a, an easier job, just something that just doesn't come with all of that. I think there's plenty of jobs that don't come with such a high level of, you know, baggage has a negative connotation, but some of it is, right? Like it's it's a lot and and other jobs just simply aren't going to have that. And, and I think obviously David Ross, Mark Loretta, they've been in this system. They're, they're already sort of a part of this fold. And someone like Joe Espada is, is coming from a Houston Astros team that is already doing a lot of that stuff. They're already operating at the at the highest levels. Uh, their expectation is to win every year, et cetera, et cetera. Joe Girardi obviously has dealt with being the manager of the New York Yankees, so I, I don't think that anything is going to be particularly daunting for him in 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 that respect. But I think for someone like Fold, it's not necessarily surprising that he might be like, eh, you know, if I could pick and choose my first job, which it sounds like he might be able to maybe this isn't the one. And at this point, like you want a level of certainty with this group. You have most of these guys signed for two to three more years. So it's one thing to interview them, and I get that, and I can see how some would be disappointed just because his name does seem appealing. He has a pretty diverse history of playing with a lot of teams like the Oakland Athletics and the Tampa Bay Rays, and he was with the Cubs for a little bit as well. Like I I get the alert fourfold but at like the end of the day is he truly that more appealing than a David Ross than a Mark Loretta than a Will Venable 
three of guys who've been with the Cubs for multiple seasons with multiple players at different times with this team. So I, like, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. And I think too, like, Will Venable's name is actually one that we could be underrating. I was reading and we're seeing his name come up in the San Francisco Giants job potential. So, like, I think right now with this team, you want a level of certainty. Like, you want to hire a guy. And even as Theo said, like, I want to hire a guy that I know can do the job. And for Theo, that meant job history a little bit that he values. But does that mean Joe Girardi? Who who knows, right? But I think Theo having that comfort level with David Ross or with Will Venable or with with Mark Loretta, that is going to come into play. You look at what Theo has done over his entire tenure as a GM, as the president of the Cubs. He's had his band of friends with him. He's had Jed Hoyer with him for what? 15 years in total now, dating back to his days with the Red Sox. Jason McLeod, been with Theo for almost two decades now. And there is a sense of comfort and reliability that Theo seems to really value. And I think that's going to come through again in this manager decision. I think it's going to be one of those three guys, Corey. Like, I think I would bet on this right now. It's going to be either Loretta, Venable, or David Ross. I just, I don't see even someone like Joe Girardi coming in and gaining the trust of Theo Epstein. It could be totally off base here, but that's just kind of the way I see it. And it's so funny too, because when you look at some of these, some of these pictures from Joe Girardi in the front office and David Ross in the front office after both they interviewed, they are so polar opposite, man. Like, like Joe Girardi's wearing a suit. He's got a roller backpack, like a middle school teacher's carrying around. And it just looks so uptight. And then you look at David Ross. He's wearing a pullover. Theo's wearing a hoodie. Jed's wearing just a casual shirt. Jeans are sipping on Starbucks, walking outside, you know, dabbing up everyone. Like, it's such a tangible difference. And yeah. not to read too much into it, you know, even though we kind of poked fun at it but i mean like it's it's true to a degree like there is a level of confidence and trust and mutual understanding that i think you don't get unless you work with someone for a long time and david ross has been with theo epstein since 2015 five years now going on five years working as a front office assistant and same thing with will venerable and mark loretta multiple years now and i do think that is going to come into play. And I, I understand Theo for wanting to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, I, I mean, obviously, it's it's impossible to read into these things. Uh, but I, I, I know you had fun with it at CubsInsider.com. But it, it is funny looking at the, the photos. I think it was uh, Gordon Wittenmeyer of the Sun-Times who had kind of staked out these photos of these guys, Ross and Girardi in particular, coming out of those meetings. It, it was funny because I like the, the word juxtaposition is like the first thing that jumps to mind. I mean, it it really was a completely different vibe just in the pictures. And like, I don't know at what, you know, they talked to Girardi for eight hours, right? So after the end of an eight-hour day, they may all be tired. I don't what know where do they were. What can you do for eight hours during an interview, dude? Like going through that, I'm not sure. I've, I've never been a part of one, and I, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But I, I would imagine, especially with someone like Girardi, I, I think because he's doing TV and interviewing in other places, it's probably more of a we got to talk about everything kind right. of a conversation. Maybe with Ross, you can 
you've already discussed some of this stuff or you know how he stands on certain things and you don't need to get as deep in the weeds. But with someone like Girardi who hasn't been in the organization and who you really probably are not going to have contact with regularly uh, while he's working and interviewing in other places, you you probably got to get it all out. Uh, and I would assume there's just a lot of philosophy talk. They might talk about every player in, on the team. And what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Let's run through some managerial situations and scenarios. I, I have no idea, you know, and it could just be like, hey, we're three, be- if it was just the three of them, uh, but we're three baseball guys. Let's just chat. Let's just see where it goes. Like, let's just talk about baseball and we'll we'll see what we think of everybody in the conversation. But it was funny looking at those pictures because like you said, like it was suits, ties, you know, stoic faces when they came out with Girardi and loose, biz cash, coffee, laughing. Ross is like, you know, gawking for the camera and stuff like that. A different vibe uh, to be sure. But I, I think part of that is going to come down to what is the vibe that they want. And, and it, you know, I, again, I tried to clarify as best I could on I think the last episode that David Ross is not some fun-loving like goofy guy as a manager or or even as a player I I know that he developed into that grandpa Rossi character if you will over his 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 time with the Cubs but he's like a a a tough-nosed guy in, in that clubhouse he will chew you out and he is the type of person that if you get picked off of first base, you don't want to run into David Ross in the clubhouse or in the locker room because he's going to let you have it. So I, I always just reiterate that because don't let his outward demeanor and his, uh, you know, kind of just jubilant personality, if you will, that comes across, don't let that fool you into thinking that that's the only side of him because he has a like we're here to win. This is business. Like you better come ready to play or I'm going to call you out for it. That is unique though too, right? Like I can't think. To be able to do both. Yeah. I'm trying to like rattle my mind right now. I can't find a manager in history who's done both. Well, and and I mean, I guess I don't know about managers, but you know, you certainly think of like the opposite of like John Lackey, right? Like John Lackey is also (laughs) that person you do not want to run into in the dugout. He will chew you out. You make an error, like he'll turn around and he'll yell at you, right? But he doesn't ever, literally ever, give off a fun-loving, right? Like (laughs) he doesn't give off that vibe. So, you know, I think Ross is is sort of a unique character in that regard. Like, you know, Joe wasn't really like that. Joe Joe certainly got on the guys. It's not as though like, you know, he never does, you know, and someone like Dusty too, right, has that kind of fun-loving clubhouse first, player first type vibe, but they can can get on guys. But I, I don't think I can remember someone having the ability to maybe flip that switch as well as Ross does and and to also have that reputation of like, yeah, that guy's the most fun person on earth, but you make a base running error, like don't talk to him, like he'll kill you, right? So, but part of that, again, like it depends what the Cubs are looking for. And if, if Theo and Jed have looked at this and they've decided that they want more of that like military sergeant kind of a vibe, then maybe Girardi's their guy. 
And I don't think they do, though. Like, I don't I, think that they do either, but they talk to him for a while. It, we're, we're, it, it, he's as deep in this process as anybody else is. So there, there's nothing that we can do, I think, but consider that it's a possibility. And again, for the millionth time, I've made my piece on this. I think it's a bad idea. I don't like him as a manager. But if they talked with him for eight hours, they've talked to all these other guys, you know, especially someone like Espada now who's coming from an organization that you may be trying to model yourself after, after all this time, right? And what the Astros are able to do. If they land on Joe Girardi, then I'm going to support it. And I'm going to think that Theo knows what he's doing and he's doing this for a reason, even if I, you know, it's, it's not my first choice, but, uh, it's it's going to be an interesting process, and they're certainly not leading on in any particular way. They, they've talked to Ross. They tried to get it out of Ross. Uh, if he had any thoughts on being the quote-unquote front-runner, you know, A.J. Pruszynski during these broadcasts during the playoffs has been nonstop trying to get Joe Girardi to tip his hand as to whether he's going to take a job, has already taken a job, whatever, and everybody's being pretty tight-lipped about it. So I think other than the stuff that we heard really from Theo in that press conference, which you can kind of read into at your own peril, uh, I don't think we know a lot here. I think we're we're going to kind of have to wait and see. I think we're probably just going to get told that they've picked somebody. I don't know that we're going to have much of an idea to figure this out, right? To a degree, I do understand a lot of different fans' thoughts on this, but I don't think the Cubs are going to go and get that militaristic type guy. Like, I don't even think that's why Joe Madden was fired. Like, it's not as if the Cubs, and this is what Mark Loretta was saying, too. It's not as if they weren't intentional about fixing their flaws, fixing their base running miscues, fixing their situational hitting and all their fielding mishaps as well. Like, the intention was there. It's just a process that led to those lack of results was the problem. And so I don't think like, hey, now we need to get rid of this loose, fun-loving clubhouse and go to a more strict version. No, I don't think it's like like that. I just think it's more of a shift in, you know, team, I guess, culture, but more how you prepare for your games, prepare and, and get different perspectives in there. I, that's what I think it is. I still think by next year, we're going to see the same type of like fun, loving culture. I do think that. And that's why like a David Ross does sound so appealing because you've seen Ross like on his scooter go around and be posted on Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo's Instagram like he still understands the value of having that culture but at the same time like yeah Ross will probably chew you out and that is good for accountability but I think Ross understands dynamics beyond just being able to chew you out I mean Ross has worked with so many guys Corey even dating back to his days with the Dodgers when he debuted, right? Like he's he's worked with so many guys of different backgrounds, worked with guys of different languages, quite literally, even with the Red Sox. And he's able to communicate effectively exactly what he wants and have success no matter what team he's on. So I, like I'm talking to myself into Ross right now, but I just want to make like a point of emphasis, I think, that it's not like the Cubs need the strict and complete polar opposite version of what Joe Madden was. No, that was never the issue. It's like you want to take what Joe Madden did well kind of keep that but then add into it and mix things from different managers that are going to really make this entire process work and if that's what's going to be from Mark Loretta or Will Venable or David Ross 
I'm fine with whoever it is. But I think right now, just like the hunch that we're getting and the other candidates are now coming up, I don't see anyone else outweighing like Ross, Loretta, and Venable. I just, I just don't see it. Even like looking at Gabe Kapler, like he's had his issues with clubhouse culture as well, with some of his allegations of not handling sexual conduct or sexual allegations correctly. Like you don't want someone who has already a history of not being able to communicate effectively. And I just don't think that's going to necessarily beat out what Theo knows he has in three guys already. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, like you said, so I, I also had the opportunity to work with Gabe when I was with, when I was an intern with the Dodgers. Uh, and again, I, I feel like normally my baseball operations, quote unquote, career, if you want to call a bunch of internships a career, um, doesn't come up that often. But this is an oddly, weirdly specific time where I have particular insight on a couple of these candidates for some reason. Uh, Like of the six people they're interviewing, I worked with two of them. (laughs) So uh, I guess now is the time to speak up. But I I don't think that Gabe is is the right fit for this group. Um, The the sexual assault stuff, I think, that was going on in the Dodgers minor league system that Gabe, I, I don't think, handled well. Uh, is obviously a very bad place to start, uh, especially given some of the transgressions of this Cubs organization in that regard in the recent past. So that's should be a a non-starter, really. But from a a managerial perspective, it didn't seem to go that well in Philly. And and I'm not sure why you would go in that particular direction. Um, Obviously, Philly, a younger group, in general, but they, you know, obviously brought in Bryce Harper. They have some veterans and some high profile names there. And it didn't go that well. It seemed like Gabe had some problems managing the bullpen there. We've heard that one before. And I think that, you know, especially like, and this is kind of a weird thing for me to even conceptualize, but like, if you were going to go with a manager who got fired and who had a falling out with a team and it didn't work, like, how would Gabe end up ahead in the pecking order of Girardi, right? Like, Girardi won a World Series. And I'm not advocating for it, but I'm just saying, like, if you were comparing apples to apples, like, both of them had a falling out, both of them ended up getting fired, it didn't work, there was all this talk about what happened and what didn't. I mean, how would you end up choosing Gabe over someone who was in a similar spot in a bigger organization and actually managed to do some winning while he was there? So I I don't really see that working. Uh, I also don't really like the fit. I think that Gabe is, uh, in my experience, an incredible person and a unique person in that he is very outside the box. I think this is something that's kind of well known about him, but he's uh, he's a, a little out there in, in a good way. Uh, but I think that his message might resonate more with younger players, and that's just not where the Cubs organization is. What do you I mean by that, that, though? I mean, like, this core still is young, though, Corey. Like, it's 26, well, 27, not young anymore. I guess I just mean that, that a lot of these guys, you know, you look at guys like Javi, Wilson, KB, etc. Like, these guys have been around the block. They, they, they've been in the playoffs except for this year, every year of their career. I wish we could still say that. It sucks I know, that we can't sad. say that. No, uh, we still have a World Series during the show for it. So, that's you true. Know. Yeah. I just think that Gabe is someone who's going to push those limits. He, he's 
really hyper-focused, or at least when I knew. I mean, this was several years ago, so who knows? But uh, just hyper-focused on some of that like new age thinking, like how much sleep are all these guys getting? What are these guys eating every single meal of every day? What do we think about batting practice and and jogging before the game? It's just all the, like changing things. Like he's looking and willing to change the way that everything goes on its head. And I just don't really see that being where the Cubs, where a lot of these guys are. I think that where the, a lot of these guys are, are needing to tighten up that focus, tighten up some of those fundamentals and get back into that mindset of that, you know, everlasting hunger to win the World Series and, and just sort of like renewing that focus, sort of just a maybe change of voice to make that happen. I don't know that they're in a place where they need like a full on like new age outside the box guy to come in and turn their world upside down in literally every way that he possibly can right? So maybe it's hard to articulate, but I just think he's the type of person who can go into a a young group, uh, a budding franchise, and maybe cultivate a brand new culture and paradigm and all that. And I'm not really sure that that would resonate very well with this Cubs team. I think the Cubs, I, I think that's mostly already there. It's just about crafting it to get back to where you want to be. But I, I think Gabe may be someone who works better starting from scratch and, and not dealing with guys who, like I, 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 Brendan, for the life of me, cannot imagine Gabe Kapler talking to John Lester uh, about like what he wants to do in the clubhouse and, and, and the stuff that he wants John doing. And I John's just like rolling his eyes back. Yeah. Like, just just and and, I, right and they, they probably played together in Boston. So like, I'm sure they know yeah. each other or whatever, but just from in that dynamic, it's really difficult for me to see that like resonating with, with some of these guys. But again, like this was several years ago, who knows for, for my money, it didn't work in Philadelphia. I don't know why you try to make it in, work in Chicago. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm it, with it, it's 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 it, there. There's similar situations in certain senses, and it just didn't. It seemed like a disaster, like from day one, basically. And so I just am not sure why you would be trying to uh, change that here. I just don't think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, when I first heard Gabe Kapler's name too, like the first thought that came to mind was his success developing players. And even talking with you offline here, I'm like, yeah, like I think it might be, you know, an interesting idea. I'm not sold on it. But then, like, you quickly shut me down. I was like, well, then hire him to be a player, a director of player development. Then, and I, I think it's, I'm with you. I don't think Kapler is going to be seriously considered to the likes of David Ross and the other guys we've mentioned. Who knows? Maybe he blows them away, but I just don't see it happening for several reasons. And then, just to add to all of this. So John Heyman, a few days ago, tweeted out that the Cubs are weighing a couple of big changes, as he said. That includes, Corey, reassigning, not firing, but reassigning several guys on the draft and player development side. And you said on this podcast a few weeks ago, with some expletives, that you want to see some heads roll. And so maybe this is one of those areas where you may see some heads roll. And we've seen already Jason McLeod get reassigned. I don't think it's a secret that his director of scouting development has not really coincided with a lot of pitching value. But there's going to be other moves as well. Hopefully we'll hear about this within the next few weeks. But right now the Cubs are 
finding holes from their roster, from their front office. And although it seems ambiguous right now, and I don't think you and I can even like understand and, and grasp what they're exactly doing, at least like the intention is there. And they're making tangible moves, tangible examples of trying to fix this issue. And that has been not being able to develop pitchers and more recently not being able to develop hitters that are beyond first round picks. They had David Bodie, that that was it. And you look at other teams around the league, they're developing hitters from their top 10 rounds and their drafting clubs have not been able to do that. They've been at a they've been operating at a net loss of $100 million from not developing players over the last 7 seasons beyond their first round draft picks. So, core, I mean like you're seeing some changes at least, and I think that has to give you at least a little bit of encouragement. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. And again, for like as much as we will rip on the Cardinals for, you know, rooting for them to lose and and whatever, like you allowed this to happen. Like you're watching them in the NLCS because you couldn't deal with them and you couldn't beat them. So uh, I think it's a it's a reminder of like you can't just wait around and expect everybody to lay down for the Chicago Cubs. You got to be better than them. You have to find a way to be better than them. And when you're not, you got to fix it and you got to fix yeah. it quickly. So uh, I, I do want to, you know, before we get closer to wrapping up here, Brendan, I do want to ask, just as you watch these playoffs and we're about a couple weeks from the end of the playoffs and you know when this will all start kicking into gear there's a there's a couple of big time free agents that are still left in this field uh and that would be Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon both of them having themselves a time in these playoffs uh their agents I'm sure very pleased with the way things are going for them in these playoffs not necessarily just them I think Howie Kendrick is is a name that might be interesting to the Cubs just to add to that depth we've seen what he's been able to do for the Nationals anything going on in these playoffs that as we have gone from the end of the regular season for the Cubs to heading to the free agency period and any names that that have maybe changed your perception on them or that you maybe didn't think you would be as invested in but now as we're kind of going through these playoffs and we're you know say it's November whatever and and it's free agency time all of a sudden you're like you know what I'm really in on this particular guy yeah, Garrett Cole's a name that, of course, is popping up just because he's striking out double-digit guys like every single start. But looking at the Cubs' payroll right now, like they're already locked in probably for $210 million. So with bonuses and arbitration and whatever you have in 2020, like you're going to be above the luxury tax again, which is fine. If like if you budgeted for that, like that, that's fine. But if you add someone like a Garrett Cole who right now, Corey, like probably will make close to 280, 300 million, whatever it is, maybe make, I don't know, like do somewhere, somewhere in like Clayton Kershaw's Zach Greinke type territory as the range. I don't know if that's the best source of your financial restrictions right now. Like you can only do so much, I feel like. 
So if you sign Garrett Cole, you're moving from 210 maybe to 240 to 245, and that's like going to take away from a bit your ability to sign other guys elsewhere, sign a center fielder, sign Howie Kendrick for your additional depth, because Daniel Descalso cannot play baseball anymore, right? Like you have other holes on the roster that I don't think are going to be fit because you signed someone like this. One name, though, that is interesting that I would actually seriously consider even going beyond like all of this money thresholds is Anthony Rendon. Going to be 30 years old next year, but defensively, the guy's a stud. Offensively, he's made changes over the last few years, decreasing his strikeout rate. I mean, he was striking out in 2015 and 2016 at a 20% and 18% clip, respectively. The last two years in particular, he's walking more, walking 12% this year, 13% uh, strikeout rate this year. A phenomenal year, Benny. 320, 34 homers, right? Like, Rendon is the guy who I think makes the most sense because not only do you get Rendon, you can move Chris Bryant to a corner outfield spot. So I think if I had to pick between Garrett Cole and Rendon, like I'm going to go for for hitting right now. Like this pitching volatility is so anxiety inducing. Like I don't like we saw what happened to you Darvish. I love you Darvish. He's my guy, right? Like even that contract of 21 million is a relative steal given what he could produce. But having one year where you have like, you know, a small injury from these power pitchers, it throws you off for an entire calendar year. And all of a sudden, a $21 million steal becomes a sunk cost, so to speak. Not You Darvish is not a sunk cost, not saying that, but you get what happens in one year. So I think Rendon is an interesting option, but I still think that the Cubs are not going to be going out there and lavishly spending. I just don't see it. They're going to be going from 210 million to 240 if they do even one of these moves, and I don't think they're going to do that. I just think they want some of that flexibility as the season goes on by the trade deadline to make some moves. You go get Chapman, you go get Kimbrell, you go get Castellanos, like they've done every single year. And if they do that, if they go out and sign Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon, I think they're going to lose that flexibility. What I want to see is someone like Annabelle Sanchez popping up out of basically nowhere and developing some of these mishits that have been undervalued because they have not been changed. Now, I want the Cubs to finally go out there and do what they did to, you know, like Arietta. You go get Arietta, perfect storm with coaching staffs, data, blah, 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 and you get the best out of these guys. I think that's more of the target that they're going to set this offseason. I would be shocked, Corey, if they signed Garrett Cole. I really would be. And of course, I want to see it happen. But if we're talking about Garrett Cole and Rendon, I would pick Rendon. But if they sign Garrett Cole, yeah, yeah, that's going to change this this projection for 2020 and beyond drastically. And of course, I'll support it. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I'm. I will. Well, we can see where the payroll's at in a little bit. I'm not. I'm not going to worry about that yet. Um, it's locked in though. Like with arbitration, it's locked in. No, I, what I, what I'm saying is, is like I'm just going to say things that I want them to do, and so if want Rendon, Tom Ricketts want is going to decide you that you know they're not going to spend the money, that's a problem we can deal with later. But. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I would be thrilled to get either of them. I mean, I think the Cubs' rotation is going to be in an interesting spot. You, you've got to make the, I think, easy decision on Jose Quintana and picking up his option. But, you know, Lester's getting up there in age. You don't have Cole Hamels anymore. Darvish was great. Hendricks was great. 
Uh, but you know, you're going to have to think about what you're throwing out there one to five on a daily basis. Who do you want to involve either that's already in your system? Do you want to add outside guys? Um, but I, I think Rendon is the most intriguing for me and where you would play him, how you would make it work, where you would play Chris Bryan, all these questions, right? Like I, it, it, I almost just don't even care because you watch him play and he is such an incredible baseball player and you watch how many of these rallies it for the nationals in these playoffs have started with two outs and anthony rendon at the plate and so many times with two strikes the guy is so patient so calm and he's rizzo from the right side yeah in in those big moments it's really incredible i mean you watch him get down oh two against some of the best pitchers in the league nothing changes about him his composure his approach all the same, and he it manages to do good work in those things. That ball that he hit uh, off of Kershaw for the first home run in in that game five was a good pitch. It was exactly where that pitch was called by whoever the Dodgers catcher was, and he still he went down, he got it, and he took it out. And you watch, he's making diving plays every night. He's just so impressive, and he's just one of those guys where when you know you're coming off back-to-back years of the offensive inconsistencies and people not developing the way that you wanted, that's a way to inject some life into an offense. Uh, you have to think, too, like question. moving KB to the corner. Yeah, Look, we're not medical professionals, but like people have said in sport, going from third base to the corner outfield is a way to extend your longevity or reduce yeah. potentially when I think yourself. especially with KB's body type too tall lanky guy right. I mean, you'd have to think at some point he's not really going to be able to play third base as well anymore just because of the way that he's built but uh again like that's a logistical thing like I don't, I don't even care I mean you, you give me a lineup where they're throwing out <laughs> right like <laughs> KB Rendon Rizzo Javi like Trips. I don't care you can put them put them wherever you want have KB yeah. catch for all I care I mean at that point like you're just going up there and mashing and not worrying about it so so Chris it's Bryan interesting and I mean look like <laughs> Garrett Cole's been out of control in these playoffs. I mean, you're watching him and what he's been able to do. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, I think, you know, signing high-end pitching is always a risk, a risk that the Cubs have taken and, you know, paid for uh, over the last few years here. So it's it's something you have to consider. Uh, but again, like the, the Cubs rotation is in an interesting spot and, and perhaps not one that inspires a lot of confidence just in general. So I think you're able to add someone like that, and you really change the way that that looks, obviously. And you're really hopeful that what he's been able to do in Houston and the changes that he's been able to make and and elevate his game since coming over from Pittsburgh, he's able to keep that going, especially if he were to be paired up with a certain coach that he's Mm. working with right now, if you were to hire him to be the manager. So, yeah. Yeah. it's all just to say, like, yeah, look, we'll get into the budget stuff. I'm sure we're going to have another season of uh, another off season of trying to figure out where the real budget is and how much money they actually have, and the Ricketts not wanting to spend every cent of their vast fortune. I don't know. We we can deal with that when we get there. The Cubs payroll, as it stands right now, you know, probably looks pretty tight. But they they should have some room to do some stuff with, and we'll see what they ultimately decide to move around. But I think that is where we are here. So uh, you know, we'll come back to you guys 
next Tuesday. We'll drop on Tuesday morning uh, and see if there is more to talk about. Obviously, if the Cubs hire a manager in the middle of this week, we will jump back on ASAP and break that all down. But I, I think that's that's where the Cubs are right now, and it's an okay place to be. Like I said, I, I think when you watch these playoffs and you watch some of these other teams who had things go better for them, and, and maybe even at certain points during the season, you thought, man, like, that's going well for them. Like, why isn't it going this well for us? Uh, you know, when you see them kind of unceremoniously get knocked out of the playoffs, it kind of brings you back down to earth and just reminds you that only one of these teams is is going to have the last laugh over everybody else. And certainly missing the playoffs is not the same as losing in the first round or losing in the World Series. You always want to get to the dance and have an opportunity to win. But it, it It is a reminder that everybody except for one ends up right back at square one. So, uh, you know, to maybe take this opportunity to breathe, trust in Theo. Uh, if if you have lost any of that trust, get it back, right? Like, uh, and okay. know that they're determined to not letting that happen again. And then we can go along the ride with them. But uh, Brendan, I don't know if you have any parting words of wisdom if we if especially for this period while the MLB playoffs are going on we we may not talk to everybody twice a week so anything that you really want to make sure you get out there yeah I'm hoping for a sweep here so hopefully next time you and I come on here on uh, Tuesday the Cardinals will have been long gone in our distant memories right now it's seven to nothing Corey I've been watching this game in the background here Strasburg throwing a gem getting lots of Yadier Molina like sad looks in the dugout so I'm loving that so my my parting words are if this is indeed the way the Cardinals go out savor it genuinely savor it savor every up oh, strike out Tommy Edmund goodbye savor every single sad look on the St. Louis Cardinals face savor that Mike Schilt sad look because you know it's going to be five months until hopefully the Cubs can do the same thing to them next season Brendan you and I'll have to put our heads together uh and, and figure out something to do to support the Washington Nationals if they do end up fending off the Cardinals here because I, I you know I owe them something Right. If they this take down the, the Brewers, Washington Nationals, and well, I'm podcasts. just saying, Brendan. If they take down the Brewers, yeah. the Dodgers, and the Cardinals, we owe them something. I, whether it's uh, getting a shirt, a, a charity donation, I don't know, but something, Ooh. right? Yeah. Because they're just doing the Lord's work at that point for for you and I specifically, and and most Cub fans. So, would have to be considered. Yeah, Dave Martinez, uh, sure is here. I'll rock one of those. I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there's Something some Cubs like connections there as well. We just gotta we gotta pay that forward somehow. They're they're vanquishing a lot of evil, so I, I think we would have to figure out a way to pay that. Forward. No doubt. But no doubt. Other than that, I think that's all we have for you. Kind of an, an unexciting time or a really exciting time. I, I, I don't know how to feel about this this manager thing. I, I, I think as the weeks have gone on since Joe Madden uh, you know, was not tendered a new contract, I've gone back and forth on being intrigued by the process and a little terrified and anywhere <laughs> in between. So we'll, yeah. we'll, see, we'll see where that all lands. And hopefully at some point we actually have a new manager to break down and a press conference to go through and all that. And uh, that should be... 
exciting to talk about. But uh, until then, like I said, we'll jump back on if there is anything worthwhile uh, of discussing and and worthy of your downloads and and listenership. Uh, But otherwise, we will talk to you next Tuesday, and we'll see where we're at with this Cubs extended offseason, unfortunately. But as always, we thank you guys very much for listening, especially in the offseason here. Uh, we're, We're glad to talk a little Cubs baseball with you, even if the Cubs are not playing baseball. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It's your home speaking, and I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, could you get that blueberry that rolled under the fridge last week? It's throwing my feng shui off. Second thing, bundle your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's easy, and we could save money. Lastly, I know you were thinking of painting the nursery back to off-white, but I'm actually feeling this baby blue. Didn't think it was my color, but I am pulling it off. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today. Uh, And with that, I will end, as always, Go Cubs. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.